The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. We wondered how all of these migrants knew about this particular entryway into California. The answer was in their hands. Oh, you learned on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok is a social media platform created in China. The post we found had step-by-step instructions for hiring smugglers and detailed directions to that hole we visited. We were struck by just how orderly and routine it all seemed. The migrants walked about a half mile down a dirt road and waited in line for U.S. Border Patrol to arrive so they could surrender. Reading for pleasure expands your mind. Reading for work gets you a promotion. But Americans are pinched for time. Washington knows this. And every year, Congress spits out legislation gazillions of pages long, then manufactures a deadline to pass it, knowing Americans won't read it. The bill's too long, and the legislation isn't written in plain English. It's written to be indecipherable to everyone except the lobbyists who write it. And the media, whose job it is to read it and report it, they don't even bother anymore. They spin whatever the Democrats claims in it and attack Republicans who vote against it. And we've been hearing for weeks about how this bipartisan border bill is going to save America. How does the media know if they never saw the bill? Well, it was to condition you, whet the appetite for passage and set up Republicans as fall guys if it fails. Well, the bill finally came out last night. Primetime read the whole 370 pages, and it doesn't stop a single migrant from breaking into the country. That's not me saying it. The Democrat senator who wrote the bill, Chris Murphy, declares, quote, the border never closes. So if the border never closes, what's the 20 billion for? Processing illegals, handouts, and loopholes. Well, and and of course, you have... The Speaker of the House, who claims that the Bible guides him, claims that that Jesus, I guess, must have told him, I don't know, I didn't read this part of the Sermon on the Mount, but to gain power by lying, to gain power by pushing the big lie. As Liz Cheney said, he was the chief proponent of the big lie. He didn't believe it, but said, I need to do this ghost to get close to Donald Trump. And so he's now going around lying on, I've seen enough. This bill is too liberal. Is that going to be? I've his seen voice? enough. What is his voice? Okay. Uh, and so he's done that, and then Langford goes, "Well, gee, would have been nice if he actually read the bill." It's 370 pages. If he would have actually like- read the bill before saying that, but again, I guess in his Bible, God, I've heard about the Jefferson Bible, mm. but the Johnson Bible, holy sh. That must be some Bible that tells you to lie, to tells you to lie about elections, tells you to lie to get into power, tells you to lie and you admit that you're a liar, to get into power, to get close to Donald Trump. And now you're lying about a bill you haven't even read. Well, guess who has read the bill? Not that guy. Not that guy. Because Mar-a-Lago tells him to jump and he goes, ha ha. 
<laughs> so that guy hasn't read the bill. The Wall Street Journal editorial page, as Willie said, they've read the bill, Mikey. They don't care if Mikey likes it or not. They've read the bill. And this is what they have to say, Gene Robinson. It's unbelievable. A border security bill worth passing. The Senate bill has reforms Trump never came close to getting. The nomination. Wait, before, first. No, he did not. We're Nikki Haley. Yeah. Nikki Haley, 24. Okay, okay. I mean let's, it. Let's, I mean let's, it. Yeah. let's deal in reality here. Yeah. Reality. Okay, first of all, Nikki Haley's not going to be the nominee. It is Trump. Let's not argue about stupid things. Secondly. <laughs> The voters do matter and they're voting for Trump overwhelmingly. There you go. From Bill, straight from Bill Maher's mouth, the, vote, the voters do matter and they're voting for Trump. No wonder they're voting for Trump. Here, the, the Senate, they finally released this, uh, this bill Sunday night and it collapses even in the Senate. Even where Republicans don't even have a majority, it collapses in the Senate the very next day. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. As so many of you know, you can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com or just go to our Rumble channel where uh, we do have a growing audience over at Rumble, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. You can join in on the the live chat, the conversation there during the show. Uh, of course, you can get to this show uh, on demand after the fact as well at both of those websites. So lots to get to on today's show. You see on the morning meltdown, I mean, they can't understand it. This is the, I mean, if the Wall Street Journal and Nikki Haley say that this is wonderful, this this border security deal is wonderful. Why won't why won't most of America get behind it and support it? <laughs> so much in the way of fake news, phony news, news that well they brag about reading the bill. I guess Mike Johnson didn't read the bill. If you listen to Morning Joe, as the fake president does every day. I mean that's his favorite show. He gets up in the morning and he turns on Morning Joe. And there you have the talking points for the day. Joe, really proud of the fact that he can get behind the Wall Street Journal and tell you that this is what America needs. Here's a little bit more from the morning meltdown, clip five. By any honest reckoning, but that's something Mike Johnson wouldn't know anything about. By any honest reckoning. Honest is the word, Mikey. Look that up in your Bible that you've you've made up. By any honest reckoning, this is the most restrictive migrant legislation in decades. In fact, it legalizes the invasion. There's what is it? Six hundred and fifty million dollars set aside in this one hundred and eighteen billion dollar package. Just 650 million, not billion, for the wall. I mean, you, you talk about border security and a fence, some kind of a, a barrier you would think would be the top priority. But no, no, not on this. On this, we welcome in 5,000 per day. And then 
We don't close the border unless it exceeds that, which tells you all that you need to know about what the government can and should do. Close the border. They can do it if it exceeds 5,000. But if it's just 5,000 or under, hey, welcome them in. Give them, give them cash cards. <laughs> give them free transport. Give them hotels in New York City. Why not? We went through so much of this yesterday on the show. You can go back, uh, as I say, and watch that one on uh, the Rumble channel or at TrumpetDaily.com. This is from Sundance. It says here, exactly how bad is the, the so-called bipartisan legislation, which should be called the Border Insecurity in Exchange for Ukraine Money Act? <laughs> it says here, the bill is so bad and makes things so much worse that James Lankford may end up voting against his own legislative creation. He wrote it. He's the good senator from Oklahoma right here in our home state. It is so bad. I mean, you know there's nefarious intent. If the author of the bill, within 24 hours of it being released, comes out and says, you know what, I, I may vote against it myself. You wrote the bill. What is wrong with these people? Mitch McConnell, he's backing away from it as well. It's not even going to get out of the Senate. Forget about the House. Joe Scarborough wants to make, you know, Mike Johnson out to be the devil himself. It's not even, a, it won't even go to the House. That's how bad it is. <laughs> Joe should be attacking Mitch McConnell for his flip-flop. Is Nikki Haley, has Nikki Haley come out and said, you know what, this is bad legislation. We need to, she's supported it. <laughs> that tells you everything that you need to know about the establishment's Nikki Haley. They love the Wall Street Journal. They love wide open borders. They love to see the country. They love to see the country just go up in flames. They, they love to support the globalist movement, certainly not the populist movement here at home. It says here, making matters worse, Mitch McConnell's now pretending the entire fiasco wasn't his idea, further leaving James Langford out to dry on his own. So they, they, throw, they throw James Langford under the bus, the, the good old establishment Republicans. PJ Media on uh, Mayorkas, the Homeland Security guy, and his oncoming impeachment. It says here, House Republicans promised accountability was coming for the Biden administration, and accountability is coming, hopefully. Last week, the House Homeland Security Committee advanced articles of impeachment against Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and uh, two hours of debate have been scheduled for Tuesday, that would be today. Impeaching a cabinet official is rare, but... Uh, but not unprecedented, and it goes through some of the history, <laughs> and then uh, says here, throughout his tenure as Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas has repeatedly violated laws enacted by Congress regarding immigration and border security. That's uh, according to the impeachment resolution. <laughs> so, and again, it's not like he's going to be convicted in the, the Democrat-controlled Senate. But it does keep this subject right at center stage. 
and Americans are furious. What does it say about just, uh, you know, we've talked just this, this calendar year about Donald Trump's victories. He, he won in Iowa. He won in New Hampshire convincingly. The big uh, Jack Smith case in D.C. has been delayed until who knows when. Even though the, the appeals court came out and said Trump doesn't have immunity. That happened earlier today. But still, still the trial was set for late March. And now that's just been shoved back. It's been delayed. Smith wanted to get it in before the, before the election. It's so important. It's so important. And now the morning meltdown. I mean, they're screaming every day because of the Trump cult that Mike Johnson belongs to. He can't think for himself. He won't read the legislation. Nothing. He just worships Donald Trump, (laughs) says the morning meltdown. But let's deal in reality, as Bill Maher said. It's not going to be Haley. It's going to be Trump. He's the nominee. Let's start. Let's, let's, not, let's not debate stupid things. That's Bill Maher. <laughs> he's, a left, he's a left winger. This is from, speaking of Bill, this is Bill de Blasio, former mayor of New York City. Loves cheeseburgers says here, since August of 2022, Texas has bussed over 33,000 migrants to New York City. This is a Bill de Blasio (laughs) op-ed. The actions of Texas Governor Abbott have hurt my beloved city by radically overtaxing our municipal resources and undermining our ability to serve the almost 9 million people already living here. You know, it's hard on us. They love it. They love it when the illegals just pour into southern Texas or Arizona, New Mexico, California. They love that. You saw the uh, cold open there. I mean, they got all the instructions on TikTok. Yeah, go through this entry point and turn yourself over and you're into the country. No problem. I mean, China is helping to facilitate this invasion. China's TikTok. They know it's destroying America. The whole world knows this. But, but Joe Obama, I mean, they love it. <laughs> they're, they're part of the attack, as we bring out in America under attack. Call our operators today and request your free copy, 1-866-930-3024. De Blasio says about Governor Abbott, his actions have directly cost New York City $708 million. What? It's costing New York's, is it costing Texas anything? Texas is trying to put up a barrier, and Joe Obama went to court to try to pull it down. De Blasio says this problem is bigger than New York. One state government purposely penalizing the people of other states is un-American. So much for e pluri, pluribus unum. <laughs> yeah, Texas. Texas is the bad guy because the illegals are pouring into every state in the union. This is probably one of the best decisions Governor Abbott ever made to bust them or to fly them all over the country. Okay, if if this is what Joe Obama wants, then we're going to spread out the illegals all over the place. And let them pour into New York City. Let them pour into Chicago. Let them pour into Denver. Let them pour into San Francisco. 
All these so-called sanctuary cities. De Blasio writes, I'm a Democrat and a progressive, but I also believe it's time for stronger and, uh, and more effective border security. And I think a more coherent, efficient, and well-resourced asylum process will help achieve that goal. When Bill de Blasio is calling for more border security, you know, you know that, that we're talking about a catastrophic problem here. <laughs> the, the Senate bill, it's released late at night, Sunday night. Schumer's calling for a vote on Wednesday. He, he, I mean, they don't want people to read it. That's all by design, like, uh, like Jesse Waters says there in the cold open. Nobody's going to read it. We've got to pass it so that we can find out what's in it, as Nancy Pelosi once said. But by Monday afternoon, you had not just Mitch McConnell backing away from it. You had the author, the Republican author from Oklahoma, saying, you know, I may vote against my own legislation here as well. That's how bad it is. de Blasio says, I propose accepting Republican demands for greater border security in exchange for full funding of a humane and functioning asylum process, etc., etc. He says further on, how can I say this as a lifelong progressive because the evident irrationality of our current system has helped fuel right-wing extremism in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, that's the big problem, right-wing extremism. And it's because of this that, uh, you know, I'm for tougher border security. What a year. What a year. We've talked about this year, the war in 24 but here's yet another victory for Donald Trump, who called this Senate legislation authored by Jim Lankford. He said it was horrendous, and it's already collapsing in the Senate. It's not even going to make it over to the House. I mentioned uh, the appeals court ruling against Trump on this immunity clause. Here's a bit on that from Fox News, clip three. So there is breaking news now from the federal appeals court that has now ruled that former President Donald Trump does not have immunity. This in the January 6th matter that deals directly with the special prosecutor, uh, Jack Smith. The decision marks the second time in as many months that judges have turned away Trump. Now, the, the trial had been set for March, but it was postponed about a week ago, and the judge did not set a new date. Whether that changes, we do not know. But you can expect appeals from um, the Republican nominee leader that ultimately could reach the U.S. Supreme Court. Interesting dynamic about this case is that Jack Smith has been telling every court it's absolutely urgent that we move this trial forward. And he was made it clear that he wants this president tried and convicted before the election. The Supreme Court clearly didn't share that urgency. It refused to do that. And so it's not clear that they're going to feel even greater urgency now. The March date is not on the calendar anymore. And as we move towards the election date, uh, it gets more controversial to have a trial of this kind uh, within a couple of months of the election. It's, it's already, as I say, it's already playing out in Donald Trump's favor. 
never mind this little setback, I think, for the three-judge panel, two of them appointed by Joe Biden. So it's not surprising, as Julie Kelly said, uh, this is exactly what you would expect. I'm not sure about the appeals process, if it's kicked up to the Supreme Court, but like you heard there at the last part of that uh, little montage, uh, the, the trial was scheduled for late March. Now that's pushed back, and they're basically pinning their hopes now, the radical left, on, uh, I think it's Alvin Bragg's case in Manhattan. <laughs> so we'll see how that this, this war in 24 plays out. The lawfare uh, continues. But going back to, to Bill Maher's statement there from the cold open, look, let's not debate stupid things. <laughs> Trump's going to be the nominee. Morning Joe, I mean, the meltdown is practically admitting it every day. Trump's running the House of Representatives, they say. Trump is the reason that this legislation collapsed in the Senate. They know. They know what's coming. And they can lie and lie and lie. And they continue to do so about the economy. I mean, you listen to the talking heads and they, they talk about this economy like it's, it's never been better. And Americans, they're not buying it. Just listen to this montage we have, starting with clip uh, two. Despite a robust jobs report and soaring stock market, President Biden continues to face headwinds when it comes to convincing voters the U.S. economy is strong. While the price of gasoline has dropped, other items like groceries are still expensive. In fact, according to Pew Research, 72 percent of Americans say they are very concerned about the cost of food and consumer goods. The job report on Friday was blockbuster, yeah. roaring economy yeah. right now. Uh, White House aides, they point to consumer sentiment. They say, look, yeah. people are starting to feel better. We're going to start seeing this in our poll numbers. That may be. It hasn't happened yet. Americans might be feeling better about the economy. They're not giving Joe Biden any credit. But they are leaning into these, these numbers. The economy, by every metric, is doing well. It's the perception, the inflation-scarred perception from consumers that isn't keeping up. Jay Powell basically said that yesterday, and that's what is so rare, right? You don't see the Fed chair get in front of a podium and say, this economy is strong. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, just yesterday, the Washington Post saying, inflation is cooling, the economy is growing. This is the best recovery in the world. So for any Republicans who want to continue to try to keep battering the economy, yes, life is expensive. You can't argue that this is a strong economy. That's one of the reasons you see them pivoting so hard to immigration. They just can't keep beating on the economy. No, no. They, they're they turning to immigration as if that's not really an issue because uh, they can't keep hammering away at the economy. Conservatives. They, they say... The economy is roaring. The economy is booming. And what do Americans say? No, no, no. In fact, Trump is polling at 20% higher than Biden on the economy. On the economy. Listen, th th these are African Americans in a barber shop. I don't remember when where the city was, but this is a, this is MSNBC going to a black barber shop. And listen to what these guys have to say regarding the economy. This is clip nine. We were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over yeah. again, is that with Trump, we had money. The first part of it, in case you didn't hear it, we were broke. We're, we're broke with Biden 
and we had money with Trump. <laughs> that's, that's putting it pretty simply. There is a simplicity to that comment there. These are, and African Americans are turning to Donald Trump, as you've seen from some of the street reporting. Again, it's conservative media. MSNBC is not going to go to the, the Bronx. They're not going to go to Harlem. But those that do, people are turning out and saying, we want Trump back. This is from the Washington Post. Grocery prices have jumped by 25% over the past four years, outpacing overall inflation of 19% during the same period. The cost for groceries, I mean, inflation's been sky high in these past three years, but the cost for groceries is higher, higher than inflation. It says here, and while prices of appliances, smartphones, and a smattering of other goods have declined. Groceries got slightly more expensive last year with uh, particularly sharp jumps for beef, sugar, and juice, among other items. It says here, stubbornly, high, high grocery prices represent a critical drain on the finances of tens of millions of people. See, they're feeling it. The, the millionaires and the regime media, they don't feel it. That's why they're... They can't believe people aren't just swallowing their lies, accepting their lies. It's roaring, this economy. It's booming. It's never been better. That's what they say. And yet, you know, the black guys at the barbershop say, we don't have any money. Under Biden, I mean, we don't have any money left. With, with Trump, we had some money. Listen to this from... NBC just talking about again the polls as we lead up to the presidential contest between between Donald Trump and the fake president Joe Biden clip eight these are some truly stunning numbers they really are Kristen and let's just start with the bottom line when you ask folks hey if it's the general election and it's Trump versus Biden in our poll Donald Trump now leads Joe Biden by five points compare that to the last time we polled back in November Trump was ahead then but it was only by two points the issues that are driving this too, the economy no surprise we've been talking about it but look at that advantage for Trump 22 points and securing the border here folks a very important Trump with a 35 point advantage the economy is so striking, Steve, because jobs are up, inflation is down. Voters aren't giving him credit for that, clearly. Yeah, yeah it's just they're not giving credit to Joe Biden. So this is the, the Democrat talking point now. Everything's perfect, but we've just got to do more to really help Americans understand how much, how much of this credit goes to Joe Biden. <laughs> They'll keep on with this, I'm sure, even as the economy continues to crater. We had uh, some breaking news just this morning. Uh, it was in Richard Palmer's trumpet brief about uh, King Charles being diagnosed with cancer. Uh, generally speaking, the royal family is, is very careful about releasing this kind of news, so it does make you wonder just how uh, serious this might be or how far advanced it is there weren't really any details released other than that he's been diagnosed with this and he's going to be avoiding public events and so on uh, but it says here this is from NBC the announcement marks a striking departure from the past when monarchs ailments were often hid from the public according to royal experts it says during the king's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement 
Uh, a separate issue of concern was noted, the palace said in an emailed statement. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. It says the statement also did not specify what stage the cancer was found. My father has uh, quite a lot to say about the royal family and in the case of uh, the new throne of David about the decline really of the royal family in so many respects. If you haven't read that book uh, yet, make sure you call our operators and request the new throne of, uh, of David. Just uh, an Oklahoma note too, the country singer Toby Keith, he died uh, yesterday of uh, cancer. Oklahoma's own grew up right here in Oklahoma City or just south of Edmond in uh, Oklahoma City. Cancer uh, certainly is a, a killer and as my wife was saying this morning, I mean there's, there's a lot of causes, uh, particularly as we become more and more degenerate as a society and there's just more and more you hear about these phones and I'm not saying this is the cause of all the cancers but uh, but with the 5G networks now and you know you see some of these videos online about the uh, the impact that that has on animals and that sort of thing it does make you wonder I mean all these advances in uh, in technology all of these so-called advances in our modern age, and look at how so many of them, and I talk about this quite often in Principles of Living, I mean, not just with respect to the medical profession, but just in general. Every new advancement, it comes along with just a whole lot of evil and, and sickness as well. And we fool ourselves into thinking that, well, we're really progressing along, are we? God says that we're going to get right to the brink, basically, of total annihilation. And he's going to have to intervene to save us from ourselves. That's in, uh, that's in Matthew 24. Read that prophecy that uh, Jesus gave there. The disciples were asking him, tell us what's going to happen right before you return to this earth. Well, we're seeing a lot of it. There's a lot, a lot worse to come, as we know. But we're at the early stages, for sure. One uh, last bit here. We talk so much about the regime media and the lies that they promote, the propaganda that they distribute from just the news. It says, digital news startup, The Messenger, will reportedly shut down after less than a year in operation. Uh, it says the company was founded by Jimmy Finkelstein, the former owner of The Hill, with the intent of creating an alternative to mainstream news sources. And now it's belly up. <laughs> it's going under. This is from Off the Press. It says here, more than 500 journalists laid off in January 2024 alone. You've heard about the massive layoffs uh, at the Los Angeles Times and other news outlets. They're, they're just not surviving. People are, they've had enough of the propaganda. <laughs> They've got their own sources that they go to online or with social media. It says, in what continues to be a challenge, a challenging economic climate for media organizations, January witnessed an unsettling wave of layoffs impacting more than 500 journalists. It says, this information stems from the latest industry data compiled and released 
On Thursday, it says a total of 538 layoffs have been publicly announced within the realm of print, broadcast, and digital news sectors during the first month of the year. It says this alarming figure is indicative of the broader financial adversities the news industry has faced and continues to grapple with. It says, finally, recent layoffs have spanned across across uh, renowned news institutions. NBC News, Time Magazine, Business Insider, and the Los Angeles Times were among those that announced reductions in their workforce. The latter eliminated positions for over 100 individuals. <laughs> These are pretty prominent uh, news agencies, news outlets, and they're laying off hundreds of employees. Well, it can make you, I think, just appreciate the truth as it's distributed through our website, thetrumpet.com. As you see from watching our program, we don't, we don't have all these advertisers that, advertisers, I should say, that uh, help uh, pay the bills. It's uh, fully funded and supported by God's people that just contribute voluntarily to this cause, whether it's the Trumpet Daily or the Key of David, my father's program, uh, or the Trumpet.com website, or all the literature that we make available at no cost <laughs> at, or no obligation for you. We just need for you to send us your mailing address so that we can ship out America Under Attack or whatever else it is that you request. Speaking of requests, don't forget the Trumpet magazine. We talked about this particular issue uh, on yesterday's show, Chaos by Design. This is uh, actually a couple years old, but uh, if you'd like to subscribe to the Trumpet magazine, just call our operators today and ask for a free one-year subscription to the Trumpet. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com.
talked in recent programs about uh, just bringing more passion and enthusiasm and energy to God's way of life. And really, if you study into God's law, and my father's had so much to say recently, he's written a lot about the, the Psalms, the Psalms of David in particular, which give, they just give us so much insight into God's way of thinking, God's way of life. And there's just such a positive admonition there to be doers of this wonderful way of life. Of course, God's commands have a, a built-in, you know, don't do this, you're forbidden to do this, a law of, of don'ts in, in some respects. But there's also, even if it's not explicitly stated, there's also a built-in implication to do the right. And, and every year coming up to the spring holy days, the Passover and the days of unleavened bread, we have this concept reinforced in our thinking as we not only work to remove leavening and leavened products from our homes, but as we also bring in unleavened bread. Paul talks about this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 5. In the New Testament, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Notice what God commanded to Adam and Eve. I mean, this is right in the the first couple of chapters of Genesis. He says in Genesis 2.17 that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Don't! Don't take from the wrong tree. Don't take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not do that. But then in the, the previous verse, verse 16, it says, and the eternal God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, especially the tree of life. Now, and it says God commanded the man. Make sure, this is before the thou shalt not in verse 17. God says you shall eat from the tree of life. In fact, you can eat from all the trees that produce fruit, except for this one. And, of course, that's exactly the one that Adam and Eve went after. Eve went after the, the tree she was forbidden to partake of. And then she gave it to her husband, and he just kind of weakly went along. And God, as you see in the end of chapter 3 of Genesis, God then cut human civilization off from the tree of life. Okay, if you don't want to eat from the tree I've commanded you to eat from, then you're going to go it alone. You're going to see what kind of civilization you can uh, erect uh, based upon the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not doing what we're supposed to, to do, what we're commanded to do. I mean, that's what, that's what whole, even true Christians, that's what holds so many of us back from really performing at a high level. It's not enough to just avoid certain sins, <laughs> to avoid weaknesses, uh, or faults that lead us in the wrong direction. God says that we need to be doers. If we're hearers only, then we're deceiving ourselves. That's in James chapter 1. God has called us to be doers. Notice Exodus 20. This is right out of God's law. Verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the eternal your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before uh, me. So put God 
and his way of life first. Put God above all else. Worship God. Not some, uh, not some idol, not some vain pursuit. Verse 4 says, You shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. It says, You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for the eternal your God. It says, For I, rather, the eternal your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So again, God prefaces all of these, these commands basically by saying, you know, put God first. Worship God above everything else in this material world. That's a very positive command or admonition. Verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the eternal your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. I mean, you see this all over the place. I mean, we know, we certainly know on this program, just in gathering the clips that we play on uh, each show, more and more of them, they're just laced with profanity, with taking God's name in vain, so much filth, even with respect to the, the daily discourse, so much more than there used to be. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work. And then verse 10 says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, maidservant, nor your, nor your cattle even, nor the stranger that's within your gates. I mean, don't work. Keep, but but the, the positive admonition there, and you can see it in verse 8, is to keep it holy. It's pure. It's righteous. It's of God. God made it. God set it apart. God made it holy. And he says to us, keep it holy. Keep it that way. Keep that standard high. Keep it elevated. Is that how you approach your Sabbath observance? Or, or do you just see it as, well, well, I can't do this, or I can't... I can't serve my selfish interests on this day like I can any other day. The Sabbath truly is a delight. It's refreshing. It's rejuvenating. It's uplifting. If it's observed the right way, and if you're working hard the other six days, six days shall you labor, then that rest, that spiritual and physical rest, it really is going to rejuvenate you and to prepare you for the week ahead. My father has written before, or maybe it was a, a statement that he made, that the Sabbath, I think it's in one of his booklets, but he said that the Sabbath, our observance of it, I mean, it sets the tone for the entire week. That seventh day, that seventh and final day of the week, I mean, you really are setting the stage for another fruitful and productive work uh, week or week of work. Verse uh, 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. Is that a bad thing? Is that a negative thing? To, to, see, to see a young man, to see a child 
honoring his parents. Saw a couple of examples of that in the, the sports world just recently. And that's very unusual. A lot of times these, these famous athletes, they just talk about their mom and I guess the dad's nowhere to be found. But in the, the couple of examples I saw recently, I mean, they, uh, they talked about their family. They talked about their father, how blessed they were because of it. That's really unusual in today's world where the family has just split apart. The family, the traditional family has broken down just as is prophesied in Isaiah 3. Paul in Ephesians 6, just go and read those first few verses, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, and you, you see this, this commandment, this fifth commandment, it's elaborated on further in Ephesians 6. I mean, that's the foundation of any stable society, honoring and respecting and obeying those parents, that, that parental authority. That's where you establish that habit of obedience to a higher authority or power. Verse 13, you shall not kill. So there's definitely some thou shalt nots in these Ten Commands. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't, don't come up with a false report. One that would hurt your neighbor, his reputation. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, his ass, or anything. Anything that is your neighbor's. So again, there are some thou shalt nots in God's law, but there's implied positives as well. And, and Paul brings this out. Speaking of Ephesians, he brings this out in the book of Ephesians. It's not enough just to avoid stealing or to not steal, but we're here to give. To give to others. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. Genesis 1 now, in verse 26, just coming back to what God said at the very beginning. He said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let, him, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. God set out to reproduce himself, to reproduce his character, his nature. I think it's 2 Peter 1 and verse 4 that, that speaks of the divine nature of God. I mean, that's what comes into our minds and hearts upon conversion. And we can actually begin to think and, and, and act and behave like God himself. God is the great giver. He's the giver of every good thing, the father of lights the father of every precious and good gift. And we're here to emulate him and to develop his character. What is godly character? Mr. Armstrong, Herbert Armstrong, he defined it. I don't have it specifically in my notes, but he basically said it's coming to a knowledge of what's right versus what's wrong. So we need the know-how. That's why we need to study the Psalms of David and, and the rest of this good book so that we can understand God's perspective on what is right and what is wrong, and then to freely choose to do the right 
and to even resist against all of those carnal pulls to do the wrong, to go in the direction of what's right and, and, and true and, and lawful. And to the extent that we do that, with God's help, of course, then we develop and build that godly character, that, that divine nature, that holiness, that purity. Notice the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 1 and uh, in verse 8, it says here, But unto the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of your uh, kingdom. This is referring to God's you know, government, his throne, his rule. Just back up to verse uh, 1. I'll read this from the Moffat, verses 1 and 2. It says, Many... Many were the forms and fashions in which God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these, in these days at the end, he has spoken to us by a son, a son whom he has appointed heir of the universe, as it was by him that he created the world. And notice what it says about God's son, Jesus Christ. This is verse 3 in the Moffat. He, speaking of Christ, reflecting God's bright glory and stamped with God's own character, sustains the universe with his word of power. When he had secured our purification from sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ was a chip off the old block. He didn't come to, to be original or to do his own thing. He just wanted to reflect his father's character, his father's nature. And that's what we want. If we're true Christians, that's what we want. That's what we're aiming for. That's the goal. To become perfect like the Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 48. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 33. Verse 4, it says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they... He was for a little while lower than the angels, as Hebrews 2 brings out. But because of the potential, because of his birth into the God family, Romans 1 and verse 4, read it, <laughs> by a resurrection from the dead. Jesus came, he lived a, a sinless life in the flesh. He sacrificed all for us so that we could be born into God's family. He, uh, he was crucified for three days and three nights. He was dead and buried. And then God raised him from the dead. By a resurrection from the dead, he became the, the born son of God. Again, read Romans 1 and verse 14. Hebrews 2, where it talks about what Christ did out in front of us. He's our pioneer. He, uh, he showed us the way. He set us the example. And we can actually follow right in his steps and also be born into God's family. Hebrews 2, we'll read verse 6. It says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? This is paraphrasing what what David wrote in Psalm 8. What is man? Why is God concerned about you and me? Why is he interested, so keenly interested in our puny little existence? 
Well, it says here, for a little while you have put him lower than the angels, <coughs> crowning him with glory and honor, putting all things under his feet. For a little while <laughs> we're lower than the angelic realm, which means, of course, that, that potentially we're to be even above that angelic realm insofar as power and authority are concerned. That's awesome. Mr. Armstrong said it's incredible, (laughs) this human potential. Verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. It's coming, though. We don't see. I mean, we're not given subjection. Uh, to all things, or we're not presiding over all things like God says that we will. But you see in Genesis 1, he said to Adam and Eve, look, you have dominion over the whole earth. That's what God intended. God intends that for you and for me. He wants to give us the jurisdiction over the entire universe. That's right at the end of Mystery of the Ages. Mr. Armstrong explains that master plan of God in that book, Mystery of the Ages. If you don't have that that book, make sure you call our operators and add that to your library today. Just a couple more verses here in Hebrews 2. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, or a little while lower than the angels for the suffering of death, but crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. We see this perfect example in Jesus Christ, made for a little while, lower than the angels, but look at how he's been crowned with glory, and soon he's to return to this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. It says in verse 10, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. God wants to bring, Christ is just the firstborn among many, it says in Romans 8. Ultimately, this is about bringing many sons, many children, into God's family. That's all we have time for on today's show. We're certainly happy that you joined us for this fast-moving hour of broadcasting. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thanks again for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.